Hey, I'm Jen. I'm Yansu. And you're listening to Auth Ethnic, a podcast with real conversations about race and social issues in America. As a mix of Chinese, Korean, and Chicana, we give the mic to people, stories, and topics that aren't always talked about in the Asian American community. To all my Asian happies, this episode is for you. Today, we discuss multiracial identity and growing up mixed in the Asian community with Charmaine Fury from the Militantly Mixed podcast. Charmaine, she, they, he, sir, is the busiest mixed race bisexual polyamorous podcaster with an award-winning show that allows mixed experiences to be heard. They have created a network they call Cousins, a collective of mixed folks from around the world. We'll also unpack xenophobia, colorism, as well as the exclusions and preferences the Asian community gives to certain mixed <clears throat> white Asians. Finally, we'll wrap up with some questions and answers that were taken from our Instagram. Ni howdy, everyone, and welcome back to the show. And a big welcome to you, Charmaine. Welcome. Konnichi, what's up? Hey, what's up? <laughs> oh, what's up? Ni hao, konnichi. I love that. Oh, my I God. I'm so glad that you did that because that's adorable. <laughs> We're so Thank glad you. you're here. This is a long time coming, as you know. I wanted to kind of kick off light and easy and sort of just ask you, what inspired you to start Militantly Mixed, your mixed podcast? I think it's, you know, I think it's a tale as old as time as far as podcasting is concerned, is that you're just sitting there going like, I want to talk about something or I want a community around something that I don't have access to. And four years later, I just hit my fourth anniversary. I'm about to hit my first hundred thousand downloads in hey. probably a couple, like probably three or four weeks, maybe. Damn. Depending on how things go in terms of downloads, I am on hiatus this month. So we'll see. And yeah, I'm not going back. <laughs> I just wanted to talk to mixed people about being mixed. I didn't realize how needed it was, how much I needed it, how much others needed it. It changed the direction of my whole life. And, and more than anything, like I can't reconcile Charmaine from 2017 mm. and Charmaine from 2022. We're completely different people. In what and way? I say yes to myself a lot more. I say mm. no to others a lot more. <laughs> mm. um, I'm owning my Asianness in a way yes. I never did before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I it's love fun. that though. <laughs> I mean, there's such a desire from cousins, right? Mm-hmm. The community yeah. of mixed folks. Yeah. And I want to like double back and go back to what you recently spoke about, which is coming more and feeling confident in your Asianness. For folks who don't know from our from our side, Charmaine, you just correct me if I'm wrong, but you identify as Black, Asian, and white. Yeah, mm, I'm ethnically Black, Asian, and white. Yes, I uh-huh. identify as a Black mixed Asian. Mm-hmm. And I will announce that the whiteness I have is British whiteness because that's where the white members of my family are from or they're from England. And what is the difference between Black mixed Asian and Blasian? I use Blasian because it's the word that like other Black Asians have adopted. Mm-hmm. I prefer Blackanese because I'm a heavily Black identified person. I grew up predominantly mm-hmm. Black. Everything that I do is kind of Black first in terms of my thought. But the Asian stuff has started to be more present and I'm participating more in Asianness. And so I felt like that was actually more accurate now because I'm participating in Asian American spaces for the first time, really mm-hmm. in a way where I'm not being asked to leave like I used to when I was younger. And so like I thought saying Black mixed Asian makes it clear because it shows that I have a hierarchical identity. 
mm. black right. first and then the other part is asian it's important because i need people to not think of me as white even though i'm mixed with mm. white i don't have a white identity and i wasn't raised around white people i grew up not until my late teens where i've been around white people except for my one white family member which was a british grandmother and then my public persona is the blazing blurred that's what i go by mm -hmm. outside yeah, in the world. i saw that label <laughs> yeah I, I had to Creative. switch it up because well i was dealing with some gender stuff and i used to go by mixed girl main and i always right. hated it. i don't even know why i did it to myself i was already struggling with my gender fluidity at the time but i needed the blazing blurred to exist because i have a black identity in addition to my nerd identity but nobody thought i was asian even if i stood next to my japanese grandma they'd be like what's happening what's going on there and i have very similar coloring to her except for i'm a little bit darker but i don't look asian enough for someone to go i can't figure out what kind of asian you are but i know you're asian so until i started wearing the masks in 2020 nobody ever was like you're east asian correct like never mm. once i would get filipino i would even get filipino from filipinos and i have taken advantage of many of ah! based off of that so yeah it was oh, a whole it was a whole thing so black the thing is my black face features are here more on the, the lower uh. yeah if i do this this is this is the asian like that's where i get mm -hmm. like i have eye shape like my mom my mom is a mixed japanese and white person so that's this is her this is the only evidence of her mm. except for maybe my skin tone and then my hair texture is japanese hair texture which you can't really tell because i'm i'm always dying it so yeah <laughs> my blackness gets questioned now until they can see either my full body right because <laughs> That also tells a story, but, but <laughs> my lower face, <laughs> the lower half of my face. <laughs> but it, but it's very <sighs> mixedness is so complex, especially yeah. in a American social setting or in the American country, because it mm -hmm. also depends on country or location where we're at, yeah. right? So in a purely American context, growing up predominantly in America, maybe let's say it is like every single physical aspect of you is picked apart like you were even just mm -hmm. saying well I'm more black down below in like mm -hmm. the mask area bottom half of my face but then my eyes like there's the Asian money like that's what yeah. that's where it's at the and Asian like money. it's just that's the oh, Asian money is at. very coveted for my for my folds my eyes yeah, you know that's right. Yeah. right that was double, a big deal in my mm -hmm. family yeah double eyelids look, I mean look at my eyelids you know mm -hmm. like, monolids mono I always want it's so weird too because when you're a kid you always want what you don't have so I wanted my yes. dad's curly hair and I wanted my grandma's monolid and you know I wanted it to I wanted someone to look at me and be like definitely black and Asian like I wanted it to be a lot more obvious than it is right. um, the validation you would say the validation yeah because when I saw like Naomi Osaka or Ryo Hachimura come up at the first time I was like that mm -hmm. is clearly a black Japanese for me right. that's all right. I see is a clearly mixed black Japanese and I don't have that i look like every black person's creole auntie mm. every uh, black person has an yeah. auntie that looks just I like me and she's, from, <laughs> and she's from louisiana you know what i'm saying like yeah. that is that's who i look like and then physically like my body my shape is mm. my black side of my family so mm -hmm. there are times when someone like i've had even black friends that says you know like i can kind of see it or whatever and then i'll turn around and they're like oh <laughs> got it <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> before like as soon as they see me from the back they're like oh 100 yeah you're black i feel like they're in order to be mixed there seems to be a lot of external validation and external mm. 
picking apart of features and then their sort of response affects how we perceive ourselves. So there's a lot of other kind of signals that we need to receive to understand how we operate in a certain environment, in a certain context, and ultimately even ourselves. My experience to Charmaine is vastly different in the sense Mm of I am a mix of Chinese and I would like to say Texan or Tejana. Mm -hmm. It is not Mexican by any means. Mexico is very different from Mm -hmm. Texan culture and Texas Latin culture. But I obviously look and code more Asian. I am also very light-skinned and mm-hmm. white-skinned. Mm-hmm. Um, am I Latinx enough? Am I Mexican-American enough? Am I Tejana mm-hmm. enough? Like it was just very, it's always been a constant struggle for me. I love rock climbing. So we have queer meetups. There's like a black rock meetup. There's a Latinx climb meetup. No Asian because there's so many Asians in the Bay Area. It's like, you don't, you don't need one. You just, just show be up. there. <laughs> you're the majority. You, yeah, you're like Asian You're the dominant people. culture. That's yeah, true. like Asian and white people are abundant. So we we don't we don't need circles for that. They're already there. That's but fun. for the Latinx climb diet, I remember going up to that sign up sheet and they were so welcoming. And I kind of just like started saying to them, and like maybe that's my form of validation, right? Of like, oh, like I actually like, am half Mexican. So like, can I still participate? And can I still like yeah, they're like I do that, I've done that too. Yeah. And they're like kind of like that validation or like the past. Like, do I pass? Like, is it okay to proceed? Like, give me permission. Here's and then picture of my mother <laughs> yeah here's, here's my pedigree <laughs> yeah. pull it out. five They'll generations pull it. exactly you can trace yeah. it back to the old country yeah here's the <laughs> receipts like here's my receipts and they're always just like oh my god like this is for everyone like the familia like it, it's everybody here like everyone yeah. is welcome which is so to me opposite of asian communities i think asian circles yeah. are very xenophobic but then it's weird because it's like oh yeah we like some white features, but you still got to be Asian. But yeah, the actions, the actions are different than what they're yeah. saying. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm just l- listening to this conversation, and I'm just like jotting down down notes as 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 um, teachers do. As teachers do, of course. And then I'm like, of course, this is this happened after the Mexican-American War. And da, 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 I love oh. this about your show because I, I can hear your educator wheels turning a lot of yeah, times. Like, you know, the little buffering, buffering thing on a YouTube video. And, <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, I think there's two two things like going on around here. Right. Like one, a lot of Asian cultures, especially East Asian cultures, are historically have been so homogenous. And So that may come with the whole xenophobia as well as like the different invasions happening with like China, Japan, Korea, and things like that. And and as well as other areas in the world. But then I think what's also very uniquely American or dare I say like European thought Mm. is historically this country has been so obsessed with keeping this racial purity where this idea of mixedness was one existing or even accepted mm. right because think about blackness right one drop rule okay mm-hmm. well one drop of of any person in your family tree you're black yeah. like you cannot be white or black or oh well you know co- with compared to the spanish colonies in latin america where you get mestizo and things where you have a lot of mixing going on despite the caste system whole other conversation mm-hmm. like there were actually policies and laws to prevent miscegenation 
Mm-hmm. Like in the United States, it was yeah. a crime. Technically, my parents would have been illegal because both of them were born before Loving versus Virginia. I'm 10 years later than Loving versus Virginia. Wow. The reason why my parents aren't considered illegal is they were living on the Western coast of the United States. But my dad was born in Germany, though. But because they were military families, mm. military families had the past that yep. re- other Americans didn't have. Yep. And so w- the way that the way they found ways to, like, still make you separate is that my Japanese grandmother got to be white by association because the military put her in American domesticity classes or what I call the yellow bride classes, the war bride, bride classes. Right where Mm -hmm. all the Asian wives, and it didn't matter where you came from in Asia, all the Asian wives were stuck in these classes together and they had to learn how to make like American meals in this late 50s, early 60s, how to be an American housewife, which essentially was, I call it domesticity. Yeah, like essentially they were being domestics that you were just having to be married to and had children with. Whereas my white British grandmother she was black by association because she married a black man and she could only go to the officers clubs on the nights that the black officers could go and so again late 50s early 60s so they still found ways of keeping you separate but the military got a pass because like our boys are out there fighting let's go ahead and let them get some yellow brides like that was essentially the thought process between yeah war Mm -hmm. booty basically and and how my black grandfather ended up in england during korean war time i don't know (laughs) whatever my that's what happened and my my nan she was a like a dance hall girl that would specifically cater to the officers and she only went on the black nights like because mm-hmm. you couldn't go to both you went to one or the other but you couldn't go both and she just had a thing for black men i think because i know my grandfather's <laughs> not the first one but hey. you know that like that's how it happened there but yeah technically my parents would have been considered illegal because they were mm. born before loving versus virginia yeah and that's a perfect example of how history and politics like filter and affect us today because the the way i'm hearing this conversation is that Those who are unfamiliar with mixed folks tend to have this like two diverging thought process. The first one is the persistent idea that Asians are perpetual foreigners. Mm -hmm. They stick with themselves in their own enclaves. They're xenophobic, blah, blah, blah. Right. The second, and this is the assumption being mixed Asians at most are either white Asian Mm -hmm. or black Asian. And this is mainly stemming from U.S. Cold War foreign policies Mm -hmm. during the Korean War, post-World War II, Vietnam War. And so what we're seeing here is history and foreign immigration policy shaping our understanding of our perceptions towards certain ethnic groups. And as psychologists say, perception is reality. Mm. I think even communities of color themselves have in response, I'm not sure if it's in response to that in history of being hated or being excluded, have even created their own rules and their own criteria to pass and exist within colored spaces. So mm-hmm. speak. That's kind of two things that I'm seeing. And I don't know if there, I can't, I don't, I, I don't have proof or evidence to say that that's a direct result of history, but I wonder. I mean, white supremacy is diabolical. It's insidious and it's so strong and so powerful that it has convinced all of our color communities to also self-police within those. You know, that's how colorism comes into play when we're policing skin tones and the claim too. like on the black side. The one drop was a weird thing because 
prior to my generation, the, the one drop was used to police. Obviously you couldn't mix in, you know, it was a way to avoid allowing the white people's purity and blackness to come together. By the time I was coming up, the one drop rule was like internalized. And that was the way I was owned and validated by the black community growing up. And I did grow up in a predominantly black community. I went to black church. I went to a black high school until I moved to the suburbs and stuff. People viewed me as black with a Japanese mom. And that was enough. Like, like the way (laughs) the one drop rule was internalized in the black community was through like self ownership. You are one of us. And that's changing. The young generation now does not own that at all. They actually find it repellent. And so that's why you get a lot of anti mixedness within blackness now. Really? Yeah, that's happening now. It's and it's popping up Uh more and more on my show. And I was it completely threw me by surprise because I've always been owned by black folks in a completely positive and welcoming way. But the younger generation is not doing that. So the mix, especially black and white biracial kids now, especially if they're raised by white mothers in particular, really struggling to claim their blackness because the black community of their generation is not owning them. Wow. I teach in a school that is 65 percent. Latina, like 30% East, West African and black students Mm. and numerous conversations in the years I've been teaching, they always are like, especially the guys, black guys are always uplifting like light skin. Mm -hmm. So hearing that saying that actually the younger generation is pushing back and rejecting the one drop rule. That was unexpected to me. I mean, it's a, I think it's a split. I think you absolutely still have the colorists that are coveting lighter skin and stuff like that. I don't think we'll ever get away from that. I mean, it happens mm. literally in every culture, Asian right. cultures, South Asian cultures, Latin cultures, black cultures, like anybody who has any skin tone, <laughs> you <laughs> no, know, well, has a F- version. F- 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 F. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, if, you're not, if you're not a 6F, pretty much, you're, you're going to see something like that in the culture. But while I think... The pushback is on the toxic train. I think mm-hmm. what they're trying to do is celebrate Blackness in as pure a stance as they can, given that we don't know where we come from. And, and the pushback from trying to be overly colorist is the opposite of that, which is like, let's keep it tight. I want to quickly go back to what kind of started this discussion or started this this part was white supremacy. I would say that whiteness grants certain mixed folks certain sets of privileges Mm. because of their lighter skin tones or because of more European physical traits that they have. Have you experienced or seen these privileges in action? Yeah, I mean, I feel like... In my own family, I feel that the white mixed white cousins get some kind of access to both Japanese-ness and whiteness at the same time Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't. And they didn't even know we were black. They just knew we were dark, darker than them. I found out years and years later when I was like 25, I finally started telling some of my extended family, like, you know, my dad's black. And I, one of my cousins was like, do you know what you and your brother's nickname is in the family? We call you the Mexicans. And that was because we were so brown as we were ex-kids, they couldn't Mm. figure out, they didn't see black. And so I would see like, I don't want to name any of my cousin's names, but I would see like this particular cousin getting juice first. 
Mm. Was she, was it because she was younger? Was it because she was paler? In hindsight, she was the most white looking of all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. so there's things that, you know, you don't really have a definitive answer short of short of a family member literally saying white one come here first. So like, I don't have anything like that to go <laughs> off of. But but there was just things where I felt like I was chosen last sometimes or I had access to things a little bit later than others that like they would put Japanese food in front of my other cousins, but put hot dogs in front of me. things like that were just really subtle things in which I think it happens in my own family Uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of like maneuvering in Asian spaces you know it's mostly I'm not Asian until recently so I don't I can only go off of just like me having to say like yeah you know like I'm like trying to tell Mm -hmm. people like I am Japanese or more specifically I'm a quarter Japanese and stuff yeah and they'd be like oh that's cute you sound like an old lady why do you sound like an old lady speaking Japanese it's because that's how people hear me when I speak Korean like I'm actually more comfortable speaking Korean to old people because that's how I grew up (laughs) Because you and grew feel, up with like your grandparents yeah. speaking. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like going to the store or like doing something formal about it. You'll say a phrase that like hasn't existed in conversational Korean like since the 1960s like the and 60s. 70s. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what happened. I have a tutor, a Japanese tutor, and I, I used a phrase and she just burst out laughing. And she's like yeah. 38, I'm 44. And she's like, why do you know that? You barely know <laughs> Japanese. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. My grandma used to say it all the time. She's like, when did your grandma leave Japan? And I was like, late 50s. She's like, that makes sense. She goes, only old people say. So like, I didn't even realize like my grandmother wasn't even speaking modern Japanese. She was speaking like pre-1958 Japanese. So that's wow. the Japanese I know. The post-war know recovery Post-war recovery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you just like, you feel like, I mean, even if we did go back to the home country, like we would be, we would just struggle. Right, right. <laughs> even my behaviors, I get poked fun at sometimes of like, the way I walk or the way I carry myself is like my grandparents. Yeah. Like, yo, I, I was at Costco waiting till my tires rotated and I was walking in between the aisles because that's what a good Korean person who loves Costco does. And I have my hands behind my back. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh my like inspecting God, the mangoes man. and making I sure, making I sure the quality of the watermelon is good. Like what is the unit price? for this product versus that product. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm turning into an old man. It's not even just that you were like a Korean man. It's that you were an old Korean man. And I am like, I'm a mix. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I'm kind of like, I'm a femme, but I'm, I have a bi-gender identity. And because I, I spent a lot of, spent a little bit of time with my he Oji-chan, my great grandfather. Yeah. I I do old man, I do old Japanese man (laughs) things. I love it. I you listen, Yonsu. I I'll stand side by side with you with my arms behind my back too. I, I I'm here <laughs> for us being like Adushi and Oji Chans. Like let's just oh, do yeah. that. Just just to survey the the, the the youth running around. Welcome back to the show. We are in our second part of our episode and we're going to answer some questions that we got from our personal networks and I was noticing a lot of similar themes so I combined some questions and I thought Mm. this is a good one to kick us off two questions from Amber and Natty what is it like being raised with two different cultures and how does that impact your persona and as a mixed Asian do you ever have a severe identity crisis or a questioning phase 
So I think when people go through this, like how does living in multiple cultures affect your identity? I was black with a British grandmother and a Japanese grandmother. I had access to those cultures, but I was always black. Then I moved around white people and I became mixed. And Mm. I feel like it takes outsiders to make you question what your identity is. Who you live around the most is going to dictate that. And so if you're a military kid, like I was, almost everybody was mixed. And yet we were Mm -hmm. asking each other what we were mixed with. Like we were trading cards. Like we got a little bit of a Filipino over there. Okay. I got an Italian over here and there's an Iranian back there. We were sitting there trying to always figure out what people were. And I think that made it easier to accept a mixed identity for me at that time. Whereas like the people on my show, it's who they're living around. And what puts them into crisis is when somebody from the outside of that asks them a question and then they spiral. I can totally plus one that because as, (laughs) as you're, as you're talking about that, or yeah, plus one. That. About, I can... the, about those circuits behind your face. Stop, oh, stop your, your shut plus up. One. Get plus out of one. here. You're not, you're not even mixed. Get out of here. Oh, Get out of it. here. No. You're a double culture kid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can definitely identify with the spiraling because growing up in Hong Kong, but obviously parents were U.S. diplomats, so U.S. citizen by birth. My predominantly childhood years were in China, surrounded by other Chinese people, Asian people, Korean, East Asian in general. It was very easy for me to blend in and connect. No one really ever was like, you look weird or like, you don't look Asian enough. You like got no. a fold in your eyelash. <laughs> yeah, eyelid. right. I'm, I wonder what your deal is. Yeah, right. So never these kids have southern accents. Yeah. That'd be so great. That'd be so great. Excuse me, ma'am. Ni howdy. Ni howdy. howdy. There we go. What y'all got going on with them eyelids there? Why you're my hu tongue? Oh my god, I love that. I I kind of want that to happen. Next question. Can mixed Asians whose sides are different Asian ethnicities count as mixed? And does transracial adoption count as mixed? So I think it's interesting that people are asking about rules. Yeah, yeah. I, I, okay, what I like about this question, these questions is that they open up lines of, of conversation that I, I yes. have been trying to have the whole time. What I hate about the questions is that they have to be asked. You know what right. I'm saying? Like right. that, yes. that bothers me. Yes. Um, but what I will say in terms of the two different kinds of Asian, I'm, in a joking manner, I want to say I'm offended by that question because obviously <laughs> cultures are different. And of course, like, so what I think mixedness is, it's not just your ethnicity, although mm. that is obviously there. It has to also be culture. Like mm. for these people that take the DNA test and they get their little 2%, you know, West African thing, you're not mixed. Yeah. You know, who knows how many generations back there was some African in there. Okay, fine. But your 2% is not making you a mixed person. I mean, because there are still like biracial people that are raised within one culture, not the other. So I think you have to have a combination of things where it's very clear. You're coming from two, at least two different ethnic groups or race group categories, depending on what your deal is. And you also have different cultures happening. 
So I think those two things need to be at play. So like, I know there's a big population and I, I never understood it, but I, it's because I don't know enough as an American, why there's so many Taiwanese, Japanese mixes. And I think that has to do most with like labor and things like that, you know? Oh um, yeah. Japan took over Formosa and the Taiwanese actually were generally supportive of it because yeah. it meant the ethnic Han Chinese would have been pushed out. There's clearly labor issues as why that happens. But of course these people are mixed. They come from different, even though they're generally East or Southeast Asian, they're, they're coming from different cultures and, and it doesn't matter how much similar they look to white people. Yeah. They don't look the same. Like we can tell that oh, there's they something don't. different we going on and, and stuff like that too. So I think like in that case, two different kinds of Asians, a hundred percent. Yes, absolutely mixed. Even if you're raising one culture over the other, you still have that thing happening. Absolutely. So I don't think mix is just mixed race. I know that's the right. word we use, I agree. The words we use, but I don't think that's correct. I think you have to right. in, 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 in account for ethnicity yeah. and culture. Yeah. It's interesting you took that route about clarifying culture and mix because how I perceived that question was like, same as you. Oh my God, of course you're mixed. Absolutely. But it made me think about white Asians, white mm -hmm. Asians. And like, I was wondering, is this question coming from the fact that in media on TikTok, there's like a Asian TikTok trend mm. on like, like media. We've, we've done an episode about Asian masculinity and seeing a lot of like white Asian male figures claiming romantic roles as the quote unquote full Asian or as the Asian mm. like lead even though they're right. so Eurocentric. So I felt like this question for me was hitting a nerve of they're asking this because they're seeing mixedness, but a certain type of mixedness arise and be trending in right. media now. That's, where that's I, their lens. That's their lens. Yeah, that that's interesting. That's, examined that. yeah. that's how I examined it. So it was cool that we interpreted it or like we were going different routes about it. Because for me, this brought yeah. up like, oh, like, I get it. It's I get what this thing. question yeah. Right. Like, are they asking that? It's like, well, I'm Chinese Viet. And like, maybe that's like too close. But I wonder, is that because we haven't seen Chinese Viet representation? In, that's in it. Yeah. Or because yeah. it's like, we haven't spoken about that. Is it because we haven't seen a lot of Chinese Mexican or like Asian Latin interactions and friendships on yeah. TV, even though they do exist in they everyday exist. life. And there's a and huge Asian population in South Central and, you know, America. Like, yeah. There's so much and we're uh, not highlighted or that's mm -mm. not high. That's not deemed yeah. important enough for media as long as yeah. there's a white person. And then coming from like the school perspective, I have friends as well as students who are mixed like Asian ethnicities, but also like what Jen was saying about media and like generally pop culture sort of celebrating the Asian mm. over everything else. And what was disturbing to me was that this fetishization of Asians is already starting in middle school and high school right now. Like I had this student who was Filipina American and we just happened to come across Asians, and she just like her eyes wide and she's like, oh, like people are obsessed with Asians in this school. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she said for like high school guys, a third of the guys that she's met are really into anime, but they usually have an a Asian fetish, but they don't realize it. They just yeah. think that they appreciate Japanese culture. They're like, you know, so I, funny I, I want an anime girlfriend. I want to live in Japan and live the anime life. I and love the 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 incel like accent uh, that you've adopted here. Yeah, <laughs> like, so I quote, he doesn't like the round face, wider flat nose or tan skin. 
He likes it when the eyes are big, but slanted and monolid, a sharp jaw, a slim nose, and pale skin. So she's basically saying, you know, this is a Asian fetish. He likes Asians with Western features. And she sees it on how she is treated compared to some of her Asian friends at school who may have more Western features. Uh. One of them actually even told her this. And he... And she's kind of pushed back saying like, you know, you know, this is weird. (laughs) What you were saying is weird. And he just replies that he likes Asian features on a girl, but only if they're westernized. Which is anime right there. Yeah, so (laughs) I'm quoting her. He doesn't like the round face, wider flat nose or tan skin. Yo, he likes it. Tell me you're racist without telling me you're racist, bro. (laughs) And for the record, like our school is 2% white. So we have a lot of non-Asian POC mm-hmm. people inculcated with this white supremacist idea yeah. or pro-West Europe mentality. Uh, and, and they are exhibiting it too. <laughs> yeah. And like anime is such a good example of something that I wish we could have gatekept because <laughs> like when I was... <laughs> Because when I was a kid, I was like one of the few people that watched anime because I got it from back home. Like, you know, I had VHS and betas sent to me from my cousins and shit like that. But like the second the characters started to look more white, Mm -hmm. which there is this TikTok performer. She's Japanese and white and she has a song called Random Ass White Girl, but it's in Japanese and English and it's dope. Um, And it's about the beauty standards, about how like you only see white women in beauty pictures in Japan. But anime is like that, too. Like they've whiteified everybody. And then it's made all these American kids that are interested in anime, trick them into thinking what a Japanese girl white look like. So their, their fetishization is all kind of screwed up. It's like a white girl with a Japanese behavior. Ew. You know, just like, it's so, it's so gross and so toxic, but yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. And I started to see that in high school when anime started to become popular to, to the American kids, I was like, Oh no, it's going to be ruined. And yeah. Thankfully, during my time, Inuyasha was like the big thing. And luckily, Kagome and Kikyo were actually pretty Asian looking, ideal Asian, East Asian features. But at least they weren't like black hair, blue eyes. I fucking hate that shit whenever the main character is like, (laughs) give me a moon face. Give me a big old Japanese moon face every day. (laughs) Let's go back to the does transracial adoption count as mixed? Like I'm itching for this one because this is something I've I've thought about the entire time. Black people talk about how white people will put their hands in their hair all the time. I've mm. seen that. Yeah. And it does happen. It's crazy. Yeah. The only time it happens to me is a Asian person who was adopted by white people. <gasps> I have only ever had people put their hands in my head with Asian faces staring at me who were transracially adopted by white people. It's happened several times. It freaks me out. So I think there is a version of transracial identity that erases their culture so strong, depending on, you know, the access that their adoptive parents give them that they just become the thing that is reflective of their adoptive parents' culture. And I, I, I feel like transracial adoptees have a version of this, but in a way that I think completely eradicates their Asian-ness. And, and I'll say Asian-ness because predominantly the, the transracial adoptees I've had interactions with have been Asian, mostly Korean and Vietnamese. 
adopted into white families, mostly. Like in the case of the two in particular that that were the most jarring to me, everything about them was white except for their faces and their oh, bodies, yeah. you know, and their colors oh, yeah. and stuff like that. And so I, I want to say something is kind of like that, kind of like a mixed experience, because I think they still have to maneuver where people are responding to them as an Asian. And yes. then when they start to code more white, that's where the model minority thing starts kicking in for them. And they start to treat that person more white adjacent yeah. until they need that person to be conveniently of color. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So like in a corporate Exactly. Space, I know exactly you know, what you're talking about. <laughs> Like in a corporate space, they get to be kind of white, 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 you know, like whatever the thing is, whether it's a promotion or whatever Mm -hmm. that that kind of clocks them out or that they could be conveniently bumped up against an Asian that is more culturally coding as an Asian person versus them that is coding as a white person. And therefore they're safer to white people. You know what I'm saying? So I want to say there's something about this. I think there is absolutely something that's related to mixed identity that they might experience. But what I also think it just eradicates whatever their origin culture were, because like the way in which and this one woman in particular, she married a half black, half white guy. She was raised in Tennessee by white folks. She had a very Korean face because she was 100 percent Korean ethnically. And she would she would say like, it's okay for me to say this because I have a half black husband, mm. which is a very white thing to say. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so I feel like it did eradicate any chance of her being Korean. And my favorite thing is we were going to go get food. And my boss said, I want Asian food. And I was like, that's very broad. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, there was like, there was that's like very broad. Asian, there were like three Asians in the group and he's a white guy married to an Asian person too. Oh, so I was like, that's pretty ra- wa- broad. Why don't you clarify what kind of Asian food you want? Mm-hmm. And before he even spoke, she said, as long as it's not Korean, ew. And I was like, aren't you Korean? You know, like it was just my natural reaction. Not th- like I wasn't even yeah. thinking about the fact that I knew, like I had the information right. that she was raised by white people. But in that moment, I, I was equally problematic because I was like, all Korean people should like at least a little bit of Korean food. You know, like in my head, I was thinking it was just such a jarring thing of her being like, as long as it's not Korean. And I was like, of all Asian food, you had to pick your own right. to be like, ew. You know, it was that she said, ew. That's also a big part of that moment for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like- rejection there's a rejection there's like an eradication it's the mentality right it, it, it's, it's, like a, mentality. it's like a get out scene like a scene from get out yeah yeah like you'll see those transracial adoptees i think the mentality really is the make or break thing right mm-hmm. you'll have that level of consciousness where they're like oh yeah i have been adopted i've learned or was taught these certain behaviors or mindsets I'm either trying to understand that more or undo some of that. Mm-hmm. But then the, there, there are those who are straight up fucking collaborators. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, I know I'm white. Like, just forget about all these other features. Well, yes, because she said once, <clears throat> I forget I'm Korean until I look in the mirror. Like, dude, who does she you think you're part of head? the club? <laughs> you are not but like you. You think you're part of the club yeah. and until it is inconvenient for them. And then you're out of the club. Yeah. And oh my gosh, like, sorry, like they're, okay, here's an example. They're the type of ones who would basically like, if you're in a white majority group and say like you and that other person are there, they're the ones who would basically expose your ass saying, oh my gosh, that's so Asian. I'm like, bitch, like you're Asian too. (laughs) 
It's yeah. definitely a comedy scene. Like I feel like I would see that in like a yeah. comedy show. Yeah. I seen that shit so much when I was growing up. It happens up. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The like, amount of times that this woman surprised me. Oh yeah. It was just like every time it was like so jarring because you're looking at an Asian face <laughs> looking back at you and you're like, I don't understand this moment. You know, like I, I, I need somebody to pause and come in with pop ups and like explain to me what's happening. Yeah, yeah it's bizarre. It's so bizarre. So, yeah, maybe there's something like to space. It. It's just like- no, like I, I'm trying to think here because it's like. I know we just talked about earlier in the conversation of who gets to decide who's mixed or not, or even talking about the one drop rule and in history of people Mm. who get to decide. And right now I kind of just felt like I was deciding. Okay. How about this other question? Christina asked as a full Asian, how can I make my mixed friends feel included when I talk about Asian-ness? Yansu? <laughs> no. You know, I can't speak from a full Asian perspective. I think just generally not shaming moments in which we don't code Asian enough, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you things. don't know that or you yeah, don't know how to use a, chopsticks. It's kind of like the white person that says I'm more Asian than you or I'm more black than you or whatever, where oh they have access God. to some stuff you don't have and they invalidate your mixedness based off of that. As a full Asian you have to understand, like, we don't have as much access as you probably the way in which like a full Asian person can be like, oh, you don't watch blah, blah, blah. You don't do this. You don't do that. My favorite is when I get coded not Asian enough by a person that's not even the same kind of Asian as me. And I'm like, I got to know my stuff and your stuff to be Asian here in America. Like, that's a lot, you know, as someone who is full Asian, I think I didn't really understand mixedness or biracial Asian people because my environment was so like oh Koreans are just like Korean Chinese people are just Chinese and I I distinctly remember in elementary school being like you're not really da 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 eventually I came around to it I think most likely in college or post-college to being like hey look like for me to start gatekeeping oh full Asians are the real Asians and mixed can that is just me playing to white supremacy like that's what white Mm -hmm. supremacy wants us to do yeah there's no threshold numerical threshold quantum blood you know uh, Mm -hmm. that will ever create that unlocked door you got to create that for yourself don't let other people define that for you like ask you can just ask sometimes in a way I guess it's like in a way that's non-condescending instead of handing me a fork say do you want chopsticks or a fork give me both so that I can tell you you know what I'm saying like yeah I think there's different ways in which asking questions can be condescending let us be because we're Asian enough we're just mixed too yeah I like that. And then even you being able to learn something new from your mixed friends, we'll do it differently, but we'll do it in a whole different way, maybe that you didn't even know. And like, I think that's really fun when you can have those moments of connection. Wow. Those were the questions. Well, we loved having you here, Charmaine. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Finally happened. I want, uh, to let others know where they can find you. So where can other people find you? I have four podcasts, Militantly Mixed, which there is an episode with Jen on that show where we talk about, you know, race and identity from mixed race perspective. I have a show called Blurred Comics with my childhood mixed black friend. And we talk about 
pop culture and nerd nerdery also from our mixed black lens by furious because I'm an angry bisexual and I talk a lot <laughs> about polyamory and queerness in general on that show and my new show queer and far which is a travel podcast hybrid documenting my future expat journey where I am also doing that with a friend a white woman friend where we are <laughs> talking about what it's like to travel while marginalized and if we travel together what privileges we experience because she exists versus you know mm -hmm. me being there and stuff like that so we'll be we're recovering a couple of those little hard topics while also documenting a move abroad and so all of my handles are pretty much that like militantly mixed blurred as in black nerd com mixed and my ex ed because mm. we're mixed by furious pod and queer far pod on all of the socials the tickety talks the twitters the instagrams the facebooks we Tick we tax. have with the tickety tacks yeah we we have those on there and then if you just want to follow me i do a little bit of cosplay and a whole lot of like public speaking and or panel moderation and stuff like that you can follow me on the blazing blurred also black nerd b-l-e-r-d <laughs> Well, Charmaine, you are doing the most. Thank you so much for being here. And yeah, we'll be seeing you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>